And now we're recording. Uh, original sounds. Uh, uh, original sounds are on. Yeah, I didn't on. even check that. Hang on. Hang on. I think I checked it. Oh, yeah, the audio is right. Check this one. Check it. Mm. Check it. <laughs> Check this one. I was uh, downtown with Freddie P yesterday. You know, for a guy that grew up in Toronto, he sure is fascinated by the big city. <laughs> what was he like I looking am. up the big buildings? Oh, no, it was. It was, like, it was like taking one of my fucking friends from Moose Jaw for a ride. He's like, all these buildings. And this wasn't there. And that wasn't there. What gets me, just an indication of how infrequently I go down that way now, is those condos between the studio there at Islington and... You know, BMO Field, like those big, huge towers there now. You know, when the ones I said, like, mm-hmm. wow, they knew. <laughs> no, I know. How quickly do they build those bastards? You know, even just between golf season and uh, city season for me, like I spend most of the summer not going in that direction. So, and I've noticed this over the four or five years when I was dating uh, girlfriend Rachel, now ex-girlfriend Rachel, and uh, current I don't know, Rachel. Um, even going that way from year to year, the, the the amount of construction, like when we were leaving too, I remember I pointed out how many cranes there are in all those buildings. Those are all new to me too. And what you said yesterday in the car is so true. It's unbelievable how fast they go up. It's, uh, you know, my dad uh, died in 2008. I was going to say this to you while walking down the street. I would love my dad to come back right now and see the city. But be, beyond that, like even my grandfather, right, who died in 68. Because like in 1968, Toronto was the centerpiece was the, was the Royal York Hotel. Like it was, that was the landmark of the city. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, pretty much, yeah. And they were building the TD Center, the original sort of bank tower in Toronto, which was about 50 <laughs> floors, I believe, 55. Yeah. No, I just, was it, was it on the way there, on the way back? It was like, you were like hustling and bustling and talking. You kept oh, saying that to me. Going here and going, going there. there. Hustling and bustling. And I was you like, <laughs> I kept saying to myself, I'm like, is he not, you know, he's been here before. <laughs> he wasn't sure. Do we cross the street here? And. Well, you talk about generations, eh? Like my son, 37, young, sort of professional, and lives in a condo. And like, I, I get it for him. Like, he loves it, you know, just out the door and anywhere he wants to go, all these cool places. But there comes a time where all gets to be too fast for you. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I even said that to you. I mean, I've spent the last six and a half or so years living again, living again in the city. Uh, you just take it for granted, like you know. And yeah. I don't want to go into some traffic, Dan Duran. But you know, we left. We were at the Elma Combo because we're cool, and Elmo. we and we went south on Spadina at around three in the afternoon. Which, if you know anything about the city, is just madness. It took us about a half an hour. Would you say it was a half an hour to get from uh, wherever the Elmo is, which is pretty north on Spadina, just just short of Queens Park? Which is another thing. Again, I'm not making fun of you. I just I was fascinated by your fascination with things. So we come out of the Elma Comedy when we look north, and he says, "What's that building?" I'm like, "I think that's." I said, "I think that's part of you know Queens Park." He goes, "Oh." Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. It, lo- it looked it looked like a Queens Parky type building. No, it was, but it, yeah, it was, it was the beginning of Queens Park Circle. Anyway, so we're Did going they just to put that up. 
That's what I thought. I go, you know, I kept thinking, you know, I'm the one from Moose Jaw. So we're going south on Spadina at three o'clock in the afternoon. We're both literally going zero miles an hour or kilometers an hour for a half an hour. And once you get on the gardener, it's fine. But it really, it was, it was fun being in the city with Freddie because I realized, you know, because of living here, you know, I spent a lot of time doing what sure we did, did yesterday. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do it very much, it's not only fascinating, it's aggravating. And then you got to, you know, facing the traffic and all the hustling and the bustling. <laughs> you kept saying that. The hustle and the bustle. And, and believe me, I have no, no problem getting around the city. Like, I know the city. Oh, yeah, it's just the city I know has changed, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Like, you tell me some area of Toronto I have to get to. I have no problem getting there. It's just along the way. It's like, wow, look at this. Look at that. And, uh, How and about, you know, uh, back when, when we worked at um, the Edge at Young and Dundas, some days if we had, like, a meeting or I there was something going on later in the day, I would I would fill that time walking. Mm-hmm. No, I remember 20 that. 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? So, I... I uh, since then, walking around the city in the way it was and walking around the city, you're seeing as it is now. It's it's quite a change in 20 years. And for me, it's the opposite. All the years we worked downtown, which was most of the time we worked in regular radio. I lived out of the city. I wasn't really that familiar. I'm more familiar with it now in the last six plus years because I'm, I'm around it all the time. You know, you Thanks went home. To your kids. and stuff. Well, exactly. And I was going to say that you went home. You went home and I went up. uh you know, I had a brief uh, rest here. Then I went back to St. Clair and Oakwood and then Bloor and Spadina. And, you know, I just, I just take I take it for granted that I'm doing that all the time. I can't believe you would go clubbing on a Tuesday night. I did. <laughs> That's right. Dan and I Dan and I got our glow sticks out and his monkey fucking puppet or whatever. <laughs> Duh. But the, the day ended and I thought I was going to have have to have an ablation because um, I got out of your car. And oh, that's right. Over, oh, yeah. Tell the story. And then I went over to um, the Pie Commission. And as I'm going in the door, I reach for my wallet and I, it's not there. And I knew where it was because when we were at the Alma Combo doing our part for the CFNY documentary, I put my jacket on this bench with my wallet, my phone, and my glasses in one pocket. So I knew it was there. Like, it should be there. And it wasn't. So my heart sunk because the first thing I thought about is I'm going away in six days. Am I going to have to replace everything? That went on to my mind immediately. So I went into action quickly. The first guy I phoned was Alan Cross because it's Alan. Are you still there? And he said, no. And he said, but all, the, the, the crew is still there. I'll get the message out to them to have a look. And I didn't even know where I was. And I hadn't even looked that much at that point. I just wanted to make that move. Mm-hmm. He said, was there. Yeah, that was move I didn't one. Want to waste, yeah. didn't want to waste any time. Then I called <laughs> Howie. Howie, can you check your car? I can't imagine it would fall out of my pocket, but it may have. I, 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 anyway, I, it's just my mind was running wild thinking, can you imagine before going away having to replace all that shit? Like, oh, my God. And then my howboy phones me and says, yeah, it's down the side between the seat and the door. Well, <sighs> and it was interesting because I, I, I could hear the panic in your voice and and, and, and can relate to the fact like in six days time, you're going to have to replace all that stuff. But uh, then I when I went into the car to get the uh, wallet down, I picked it up and this like all bunch of dust flew away from me. <laughs> 
shopping. <laughs> dusty, dusty old man's wallet. Yeah. It, uh-huh. <laughs> it was, you know, I looked inside and there was like a, an old uh, Confederate uh, dollar from the 1800s that he hadn't cashed in. <laughs> no, the first thing that fell out was my health card. Yeah. That's not, that's no, not that's surprising, true. A for us. <laughs> that's true. That's what I said to him. I, I actually, when I picked it up, the, the, uh, health card was sort of outside of the and so i thought oh maybe i, I went to check again and see if you know anything else had fell, fallen in the seats yeah all right let's start the show i, I bet the war oh, i'm bonds sorry were st- i was just gonna say you bet the war bonds <laughs> were right. stuck to the outside of the, uh, right. the leather there was a recruitment poster <clears throat> hey you guys hey you guys be sucking on it okay. all right let's start the show all right, all right. sucking on this, this episode of humble and fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped humble and fred studios in trendy busy toronto and from our beautiful calm basement studio in brampton and is brought to you by bodog the retirement sherpa the chambers plan Aaron ventures evnet.ca and by godaddy with godaddy you can find your domain easily create your website and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. And now, here are two men who now rank the aches and pains of their body parts and then compare to see who's worse off and who's had the more dramatic procedure. It's Humble and Fred. Last night I came home after uh, a very pleasant uh, get-together with my daughter's boyfriend and uh, hung out with Dan Duran for a little while while he was uh, working on some uh, Peterborough Theater Guild business, Fred. And at one point, you know, because sometimes we get going on our friend Dan, our boy Dan, we love our man Dan. Sometimes we get going and, you know, we get carried away because we're fucking immature. And uh, I was remembering the monkey sock episode from yesterday and I said, Dan, just so you know, you know, you know Fred and I. If you throw out monkey sock and don't expect us to go crazy on it, you I said you should have known better, especially because we're so immature. And then Dan went to he said, "Let me show you what I'm talking about" because he started describing what a monkey sock was. And again, all I can think of is this big wang fucking some sock that looks like a monkey. Obviously. That's what everyone's thinking. <laughs> Of course, first of course. Image that's exactly. Came to my mind. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So, but in Dan's defense, we went on the internet and did some research, right. and he right. showed me that these are actually like dolls that somebody has fashioned from a sock. Uh-oh. Correct, right, Danny? Yeah. So they 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 look nothing like socks. They're just monkeys with legs and arms, a little monkey arms. Oh, yeah. right, where the right, he, right. where the heel is right. is usually a red heel uh, that's in in the sock. And there was it's, it's from a long time ago. Yes. Obviously. And and and, um, and I was I, as, even when he showed it to me, I still thought of him taking it upstairs and tearing one off that fucking monkey. <laughs> Well, I would like yeah. to think as part of the show now, he would, in his mind, he'd think monkey sock, monkey sock. I got to throw that out there so the boy, so immaturity can ensue. And it did. Right? <laughs> and yeah. it did. You know, so, and Dan, I, keep, the, keep those coming. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> and I said, listen, the fact that I called your monkey sock right. Hitler also made me laugh. So, anyway. Think of all the things you can have your way with around mm-hmm. the house. Oh, yeah. Throw them out there so throw we can have some fun. Anyway, that's just a little update from yesterday's immaturity. Yeah. Uh, we also mentioned that we were we we mentioned it yesterday, and then you just referenced that we were at the 
But the reason we were downtown, I was, as I was referencing, we, we were there at the Alma Combo. That's, uh, it was really quite a production, a really good crew, very professional. You know, it wasn't just some dude with his iPhone. Uh, Matt and Julia were the producers and directors. Alan Cross was uh, the interviewer. And it was really well set up, makeup and all the stuff, you know, Mike, it was really like a professional crew. And uh, but I would say that uh, it was we went longer than I thought we were going to. I didn't know it was oh, going to really? be. Well, I, I thought it might be an hour maximum. But, uh, yeah, we were well over two hours of answering questions. And it was very pleasant. And mm-hmm. Dan asked me last night if I made the point with Alan that, you know, things weren't always Things had had gotten a bit prickly at times, and I think we made that point. Oh, you know, absolutely. And you know, you can't do like if you're going to do a documentary like that about the history of that radio station, it can't all be like flowers and kisses. You mm-hmm. know, because there were some any successful business. Well, any business, you know, there's stories along the way of conflict and and disagree, disagreement, which uh, you know makes the story more interesting. It does. Let's be honest. It's not bullshit. In, uh, we had a break after an hour, Dan, and uh, we were showing Matt, the producer, director, dude, some, I just went on YouTube and I showed him some video just in case they needed some. I, we were talking about, you know, some of the stuff that Freddie has in his basement and archival material. And uh, there's a couple things that featured you. I should show it to you. I should have showed it to you last night, but I forgot. But uh, it, it's the my favorite one featuring Dan was the intro to something we did called Humble and Fred's first ever network cable special. And we did a 30 minute cable show, but we shot the intro with Dan and Dan does the voiceover and then it goes to Dan. And it was uh, you doing a stand up with a microphone saying, and now, you know, doing what you do. But it was uh, fascinating to see you. Hey, Freddie, a very young mm-hmm. Dan Duran, you know. And of the three of us, it's there's no there's never been a doubt. You're the you're, you're the master race. We get it. But uh, but you have really aged so well. I mean, doesn't he mm-hmm. look at that oh. boy? Yeah. Handsome. And you were this was 25 years ago and you were, you know, the only difference is, you know, maybe a little gray around the edges. And the fact that you're having sex yeah. with a monkey fucking song. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's I that. just yeah. to go through life. Good looking. That has to be something yeah, yeah, like even a couple of weeks ago did i mention this to you even my sister-in-law we were sitting around their kitchen table having a a coffee as one might and um oh yeah when did you have some Dan's snacks name too? come up and she said oh i know he oh man i couldn't keep my eyes off him he was so gorgeous and i'm thinking oh all right <laughs> all right he also fuck monkey socks yeah dan what is that like <laughs> when you walk around the world knowing that everyone is just looking at you salivating yeah, what is that like? Oh, geez. Like, that's a question that... It's like, well, it's like, I don't know. It's my experience. Uh, I am who I am. And I don't, you know, I don't think of Listen, I came home last night. He was wearing some Christmas pajama bottoms. Mm. And he had some cool shirt on. And I was like, I remarked on how just cool and comfortable he looked, you know. Dan went through his life noticing that people were looking at him, maybe almost staring at him, often women and... I went through life noticing people staring at me, but they were staring at my oddities. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's serious. It's like, it's a, you people, know, that difference. Is, so people were looking at you wondering who was guarding the bridges if you were walking around. Why were, well, I, listen, I don't know. <laughs> and, I'm, I, I, and to be f- fair, I'm somewhere in the middle, you know. No, I, uh, I think you're in the upper nah, No, no, no. You're I, in the upper I'm percentile. I was, I was low. No, please. 
It's true. I'm uh, is this, I'm just is marginal. This not real? Is this show not real talk? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Back to real talk. How did how did Alan react to your uh, whatever drama you you talked about? Um, yeah, very well. I, I got to be honest. With you. Alan's a great interviewer, and and the conversation was easy. The three of us have known each other so long. You know, we we once we got all set up and mic'd and everything was ready to go, and the cameras were rolling. I don't you feel, Freddie? That was very natural, and. You know, I, could, I, I felt it. Like, it didn't seem like, oh, we're a little nervous at the beginning. We're just so all comfortable with each other. I would look at it this way. Alan knew. Listen, we all mature, right? We all evolve. And, and retrospect is a great thing. Um, He knew. Like, at the time, you know, Alan may have been caught up on that side, so to speak, if you know what I mean. But, you know, as the years unfold and you see the the radio station evolve into what it was and he became a big player, you know, things make sense years later. Certain moves you may uh, uh, disagreed with in, in the early days. And uh, no, and Alan knew. He knew. I, I could see him nodding. He, he, he knew what happened. He knew what the situation was. He knew the... the he brought up the word factions. He said mm-hmm. there were factions at the radio station. and. Yeah. And, uh, it was like team normal, up. team normal, and team crazy at the time. Yeah, and I, at one point, I made the point. Uh, you know, there was a young woman who quit on the air, and she was somewhat celebrated by several people for that. Well, I, I told him, I, I said I thought that was immature and unfair and embarrassing for a lot of people, and he agreed. Yeah, he oh. agreed, and he said he felt betrayed because he thought, you know, she was part of the team, and then all of a sudden she. In this grandstanding moment, uh, you know, sort of uh, walks away from everyone. So, yeah, there's, uh, and I'm sure there'll be lots of that in the. In and the to answer your question, uh, how did he react when I sort of, not that I pushed back, but I, I, I you know, I, I did it in this way. I, I talked about how at the time the whole thing was bewildering to me because I'd yeah. come from regular radio and, you know, all I wanted to do is be a morning guy in Toronto. And, and then I get on to this radio station that's more like, going to college Mm -hmm. and uh but i did you know i've 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 said this several times but i couched it in the perspective of having now been here 30 plus years and knowing what that radio station meant to people Mm -hmm. and and how i've grown to appreciate it that i could never have appreciated it at at the time it just wasn't available to me for a variety of reasons yep uh perspective man it's uh yeah what was your perspective, Dan? You came there like I got, you know, it's funny. We should have mentioned that. Well, we did mention you because when we started talking about the early, literally the first few weeks of the Humble and Fred show, I said something like I knew things were I knew something was wrong because the guy producing our show fucking hated it, you know, and that was sort of a joke because we had a producer before Dan. Yeah. And again, if you don't know the chronology of the show, you should. But Dan was our first full-time producer. And but I started in August of uh, 89. So 89, so August, September, October, November, Dan comes to town. For a variety of reasons as well, uh not the least of which was to get away from the woman that threw all his shit on on the grass. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great story. And through and through <clears throat> Royal Dalton uh, figurines at me. Yeah, yeah. So Dan was running away from that, and uh, we needed a producer because the guy. And but the, the, the truth was, the first few months we were being produced by somebody who just thought the show was stupid, which was weird. Yeah, you you wonder about it. You know, how long did it take for his perspective to change? Maybe thinking. I don't know if he's of that ilk. But to think, boy, I, I could have had a pretty good thing there. And 
you know, because I was so aligned with, you know, the deep-rooted CFNY cool people, I let that slip away. Because he was given a chance. He was given a fair chance at that job. You know, it's funny. And and chose to roll his eyes at us. uh, uh, I've never thought of that. Just, I'm literally, I've never thought of that till now, that that guy could have been our producer for the last 30 years. And uh, whatever that would have been, all the stations and the money. Um, What was especially hurtful for me through that particular um, era, situation, whatever, uh, prior to you coming, I had a pretty good relationship with him. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden I become, you know, a sidekicker, the co-host of the morning show, and I got this guy rolling his eyes at us and... Never really laughing and letting letting it be known that he didn't think this was the morning show for CFNY. Yeah, I poison. <laughs> well, and, and and the truth is, I po- not poison, but I your relationship on the humble and Fred show definitely poisoned some of your relationships with people you'd been friends with for a long time. But I think part of it, and you said this maybe to me, part of it might have been some jealousy. The fact yeah, yeah. that you were moving ahead and you were making mm-hmm. decent money, you were buying a house and mm-hmm. all that stuff. We did tell the story, Dan, of you. Uh, we did tell some Dan Durant stories. We told a story of you uh, stopping the records in the middle. <laughs> we, yeah. we love those stories. We told oh. the story of uh, you uh, uh, falling, back falling backwards in the falling chair. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> Um, Dan I'm, and and you know what Dan roll with it buddy because it's just part of the story it's uh, yeah I get it yeah I to, I to, also- to your point when I when I rolled into town as far as I was just thinking about this now I, I didn't uh, like I was kind of ready to accept whatever was going on in that environment because don't forget when I left uh, when we left Calgary when we were roommates and I had moved to another radio station for a little bit uh, in Calgary after you had left and gone to Los Angeles. And then I went to San Francisco and the first station I worked at in San Francisco and I thought, oh, I'm going to the big time. I ended up in the outskirts of San Francisco and I didn't realize in America, unlike Canada, the uh, dynamic range of uh, shitty radio stations to big, huge, <laughs> big time radio stations were all in the same city. And it wouldn't have happened. The, the, the shittiest, the station I worked at would never have been that bad in Toronto. There's mm-hmm. no station in Toronto that was as bad as that station that I first started. And that started was the one you were production one. manager on? Yeah. Well, I was a production manager in two stations there. With that, there was that one, which was uh, in East Bay. And then uh, I worked right across from the Transamerica Pyramid at KIOI in San Francisco. Yeah, because your That's second station was like right downtown. I remember that. Yeah. And so and I, but I'd seen so much weird stuff like I got fired by the same guy twice in two different radio stations. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a longer story, but it was like I forgot so that. I had seen a lot of weird stuff by right. the time I had ended up coming to uh, to Brampton uh, to Brampton. So it was like I was sort of pretty quickly got the idea. OK, there, there's some professionals mixed with unprofessionals in this station. I mean, unprofessional. No, no, yeah, that's absolutely. You know, that's exactly that. it. Uh, and and uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, people being involved in radio. This maybe have been their first radio station or first big time radio station, yeah. I suppose. And they, they really didn't. That culture hadn't expanded to this is how the big time is. Right. So. Right. Anyway, I remember when you arrived in town again, you're very particular. And especially when it comes to radio and equipment <laughs> and procedure. <laughs> That's and right. Your you had an interesting relationship with Geats, right? Because right. you didn't. You didn't hesitate to question things, and he wasn't used to that. And um, 
and Geets, you know, it was Pete and Geets the morning show, and then Pete left in 1987 or whatever, and Geets stayed on as the engineer. So all of a sudden, Dan Duran arrives in town, and it's, why are we doing this, or why is that that way? And I know it, uh, Geets found that somewhat antagonistic, right? Yeah. And oh, yeah, for you, sure. You just reminded me of a great story from yesterday as well. So for people who aren't in radio, maybe don't find this as fascinating as we do. One of the things we used to have to do is something called a fault report. So at the end of every shift, <laughs> forgot about those. Yeah. At the end of every shift, and this Wait a is minute, the, that was changed to discrepancy report. <laughs> okay, <right>? whatever. <laughs> but for years, this was what you know. Even you know, uh, all my life as a disc jockey, at the end of your shift, you would go to the fault report if anything was wrong. You would just say, uh, "Note the cart machine number three is acting up," or whatever. And we usually had to do with the equipment you needed for your job, but. Dan's famous fault report was, I think it was, I hope I'm getting this right, was the, sh- the chair smells. <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it, Freddie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, sh- the, sh- the chair has an odd odor. What did it smell like, Dan? Oh. Did it smell like ass? Yeah, it smelled like ass. Sweaty <laughs> ass. Dan. Sweaty, poopy ass. Fault report. My shift ended, and I want to note that the chair smelled funny. And what what came of that? That became obviously folklore. But oh yeah, at the time at the time, how was what was the response? Did they change the chair? Or I think eventually they did. Yeah, I did. Or it was, did, did Geet say? I, I agree, Dan. People are stupid. People are stupid. <laughs> I, I'm just curious now, though. All these years later, like, how did you know the chair smelled? Did you put your nose yeah. on the chair? Maybe. Or when oh, you sat you down, s- to, you sat when, down. My the, oh. is your my own arse. Heated up the chair. Oh, yeah. Don't Uh-oh. forget that, you know, like everybody's sitting in that chair. It's the control no, exactly. room chair. Every, it's it's 24 hours or seven. It's like it, it needed to change. Oh, yeah. And there was that other fault. Rep- up. There was that other fault report story, too, when Dom Burns was a program director and people would have the fault report and the little clip would have the pen. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes, sometimes people <laughs> would forget to put the pen back. So Burns got pissed off one day and issued a memo threatening anyone who didn't return that pen to the clipboard might be fired and cross <laughs> says cross says he, he still has that memo that's so <laughs> but good to don, but to don burns defense that was spur of the moment he was like that he could blow up on on the moment and then be fine you know he, you could kid him about that years afterwards and, and uh yeah and then we you yeah. could kid him but not anymore no he's dead because he's dead now all right, uh, Dan Durant will return uh, shortly with his news. And uh, our guest, Mark Hebsher, coming up in a little bit. We'll talk some sports. It's good to have you all along with us. The Humble and Fred Show continues. Now, uh, these stories we're talking about, by the way, happened in 1989. That was also part of yesterday's discussion, the fact that after all that fractions and factions and vitriol and all that. I said to Alan, I said, you know, the irony is after all of that, Freddie and I are still doing a show together, you know, three decades later. And how do we do it? With uh, the support of these people. Hey, we've been looking at the uh, wild card football games this weekend. Um, you know, I'm getting the numbers off Bodog, of course. Um, the closest game of the week is uh, the Chargers and, uh, and Jacksonville. Uh, the game is in Jacksonville. The Chargers, the only road team, the favorite, minus 125. The point spread is 1.5. 
Uh, doesn't look like much of a game right now, but who knows? Uh, might be a good one. Uh, Bodog, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, I'm going to talk about GoDaddy here in a second. I just uh, flipped over to see if the uh, stream was working, and I got to uh, Facebook very briefly. And uh, this is a couple days old, and I literally never go to Facebook except to make sure the stream is working. Our uh, friend uh, Larry Fedorik, uh, his mom just passed away a couple nights ago. Born October 3rd, 1928, died January 9th. His mother, Alexandra Sandy... Uh, 94 years old Wow And uh, j- next week Freddie's off And uh, Larry was going to fill in And guest Fred for a couple of days And I talked to Larry uh, A few days before he went out to Saskatoon That's where he's from And he said man I think my mom is uh, not well And we're going to go out there And he actually said I, I think we're going to stay We'll be staying there for a funeral Anticipating that this was, this was her last days Anyway, never, it's never easy, even if, uh, you know, 94 years old is a great life, but still not easy. And uh, our, uh, our thoughts and prayers to Larry Fedorik. There well, we you know, the word perspective comes up in death as well. Sure. A woman, woman dies at 55 and a woman dies at 95. Different perspective, right? She had a good long life, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, as I said, we're... Uh, Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, Paul Romanek will be filling in. Speaking of sports guys, Romy's going to do a couple days on the show next week. And Paul and I can uh, not just talk about uh, sports, obviously a big Beatles fan. And I'm going to talk to Paul about his, uh, revisit some of his time. He spent 10 years living in the UK in London. Loves it. There's a guy with some uh, global perspective. <laughs> when I wasn't working back in the mid-2010s, whatever, uh, 2005, 2000, when I first started doing my blog, Canadian Thinker, and then I started doing some audio interviews on it. One of the interviews I did was with Paul from London talking about that move over there. Cool. That's, that's 16, 17 years ago. No, he's got some great stories for a young Canadian lad who loves hockey all of a sudden to be dropped into that environment. Um. In the meantime, let's uh, talk a little bit about GoDaddy. You can find your domain, create a website so easily at GoDaddy.ca. They have all the tools and support you need. When I say support, you know, I mentioned this, you know, not very often now is a days you get to call somebody. They have free and friendly, not just free, but friendly, 24-7 phone support. They're there to help you every step of the way. You know, we just take for granted everyone knows how to do this. They don't. You can start your website for free. No credit card is even required to get started. And all you got to do is start by visiting GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Uh, just a couple quick notes here. I don't know if you saw the story that Toronto... That's the city we live in, the the big city. Toronto ranks now as one of the world's wealthiest cities. Story from a blog to we don't, we don't need, I, we need just just briefly just mention that there are. This is how many millionaires, according to the Visual Capitalist, which is a great website. But Toronto has one hundred sixteen thousand millionaires. And 17 billionaires 
ranking between Frankfurt, Germany, and Zurich, Switzerland. Toronto's the only city to make the list on this uh, list of the wealthiest cities. We're number 14. Number one, of course, New York. You can imagine. New York has uh, 345,000 millionaires and 59 billionaires. What is a millionaire nowadays, though? Does it uh, I would think worth? a net worth of a million dollars would you be You like. know what I mean. Well, that's pretty common. Now, we, More common than it used to be. I'd say. But statistically, if there's only 116,000 of them in a city of, you know, four or five, six million, depending on your definition of Toronto, it's still, you know, a percentage of. Don't ask if us bought, to do percentages. No, I know. But if I moved into a house years ago that was 250,000 and now it's worth 1.6 million, am I a millionaire? Theoretically, yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying. You'd think that's most of the goddamn city now, but... However they define it, you're right. right. I mean, you know, it's funny that you brought that up because, I don't know, the other day I was thinking about how when we were younger, Lotto 649 Mm -hmm. was a million dollars. Yeah. Crazy. And it was like, I remember that in the 70s. My head, I couldn't get my head around it. What a million dollars would do. A million dollars in the 1970s, you'd be set for life. And not to be house was 50 grand, right? You know, my mom and dad's house in Moose Jaw was $25,000, right? So, and not to sound whatever this is going to sound like, but a million dollars right now that you're not set for life. If that's not that it's not that that's not a lot of money. I'm still not. It's just not. It's not the kind of money it was when Lotto 649, you know, had that whole beginning of the lottery fever in Canada, whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah, a lot has changed since then, boy. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember dreaming back then on that million dollars, and they didn't come around too often. Those um, those lotteries, like it was a couple of times a year or something. That was it. Oh, no, it was a novelty for sure. Mm-hmm. So there's some. Uh, just another quick note about money. Uh, and again, we got Hebsher, and so we're going to talk lots of sports. I just want to gra- get a couple things out of the way. The other thing is uh, they've uh, released the uh, world's richest. Man, and there's I'm going to say man because there are no women, no women on this top ten. The top ten richest people on planet Earth, even though Elon Musk is fucking around with Tesla and the stock price has dropped, he's worth 190 billion dollars. Bill Gates, who I used to think was the richest guy, he's only five. He's worth 107, and Jeff Bezos. From uh, Amazon is worth 114 billion. I'm so torn on Bezos because you read about the way employees can be treated at Amazon, even here in the GTA, and you hear shitty stories, especially through COVID and everything. And I think oh, to be to lead that situation can't be that you can't be that proud of it. That sort of Im- that part of the company that that is sort of tarnished that way. But then yesterday I'm sitting there and I order some coffee and it's at my door within a couple hours. It's no, like, it's pretty good. Now I like him. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to a store. Yeah. You know, it's again, funny. Is it interesting? Is it coincidental? I've been ordering more food items from Amazon than I ever have. <clears throat> um, oh, I tell really? you why not, not regular groceries, but something like that. Like I found this decaf coffee on Amazon. 
that I hadn't yeah. seen in the store. Right. And it's just so convenient, just as you described. Like, I make a couple of clicks, and it's there the next day, and I don't have to think about it anymore. And Well, I like the Starbucks French roast. And most grocery stores might have it in the little packets of 10. Well, to me, that's useless, right? Because it's the price is inflated because there's only 10. You know, and to buy a half a dozen of those costs probably a third more than if you order it in bulk through Amazon. So there's so many reasons why it's convenient. And that's an example for me. It's the coffee I like. It's it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. There it is. And I can get it in big boxes through Amazon. The other thing for me is sometimes I'll go to the grocery store and I, some, I do two things. I forget my bags. <laughs> I do. I uh, I would say of ten visits to any grocery store, I remember the bags one, maybe two times. Yeah. The other thing I forget is sometimes I uh, and I, I should make a list. I know, but sometimes there are things I forget. And what I have found with Amazon is a few things that I've been ordering lately. Like I knew I needed deodorant, and so you can order it. And I then I when I my point is when I remember yeah. I need it I can just sit in front of my computer and go order order, and uh, right. I've done that a few th- with a few different items. Like I don't think I like mm. the idea, and I think you do too. I like actually physically grocery shopping. I, I, I like it. It's uh, I find it sort of you know this is maybe an old guy thing. I, I, I like going up and down aisles and you know dicking around. You but, mentioned the reusable bags, a byproduct of the new sort of bagging system at the grocery stores. I'm sure everybody has a huge pile of them. Sure. Because you buy those reusable bags at the moment and think, yes, I'm going to be a good lad. And every time I go, I come to the grocery store, I'm going to take them in. <laughs> we have a stack of them here. Oh, yeah. Because same thing. I get to the grocery store and I think, oh, geez, I forgot my bag. And that's why I've been using self-checkout because... When I use self-checkout, and I've told you this before, I treat myself to free bags because I think it's the least they can do for me for doing this work. What's your, you're not working there. You're getting into those free bags or what you're getting paid for. For sure, I do the same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I just hit zero. Zero and bags. use the bag. Here's what zero smart bag. people do, and, I, and I've tried to adapt some of this. I think what smart people do is they leave a, a bunch of grocery bags in their trunk. And because I've been using different cars from uh, evnet.ca, what I've done is I've put a, a bunch of these groceries, re- reusable grocery bags, right in the garage where the car is. But mm-hmm. even with that step, uh, that's bring me up to three times out of ten. But I think what smart people do is they leave the bags in their car. Well, I do that too, Howard, but... After three or four trips, I've gone to the back of the car, taken the bag, taken it in the house, and not put it back in my mm. car. 100, uh. $190 billion. That's what Elon Musk is worth. Uh, Bill Gates, I said Warren Buffett's a hundred billionaire. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that's like. You know, again, when we were kids, a million dollars... I, I don't know if it's it's with like this lottery. There was one last year where somebody in the States won 600 million or close to a billion. I can't remember. Yeah, there's another one, I think, right now up over 500 million. Crazy. But, you know, in those days, a million dollars, you could set yourself up. You could set up your family. If you want a million dollars now, it'd just be aggravating. Well, I know if I want a million bucks, I just give each one of my kids 500,000. That's what I would do. That would be the end of it. Oh, after I gave you a little stipend. Yes, I would. Yeah. 
You're funny. <laughs> I, get, I, I get, buy you a new eat, set of golf clubs. Each something. of my kids. Because you're right. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. A million dollars isn't a lot, but half a million to each one of your kids is like life changing for them at this point in their lives. Oh, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Well, there you go. So uh, we're just waiting for Hebsey. Uh, why don't we, uh, I hate to say, get some more stuff out of the way, but you know, sometimes, and I don't think the, the Sherpa's coming with, I don't think the Sherpa's going to be here. Um, I've been uh, interacting with the Sherpa's company a little bit lately, and uh, what a great organization. You know, Raymond James, he's a Raymond James guy, obviously, but the people in his office uh, are just great. I made a little stock purchase, and uh, just so uh, accommodating. And uh, are you gonna? Can you talk about him now? Do you want to get into some Sherpa times? Well, sure. He's a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, and uh, uh, Timmy. I'll tell you, uh, as we've told you, he's licensed on both sides of the border, and we know we have. There's a lot of expats uh, live in the states. Listen to this show. So if you're in the situation, you need a guy down there. He's your guy. Uh, RetirementSherpa.ca. There's your contact. Uh, Tim can help you out. Really on uh, any aspect of investment and we've told you many times if you have a portfolio you're not happy with the performance uh, you want somebody to have another look at it again there's the word perspective um he'll do it for you no strings attached uh no obligation he's that kind of guy he'll let you know where you're at and uh where you should be at retirementsherpa.ca yeah, and I guess uh, just to reiterate, the organization that he that supports him is so good and so easy to work with. Let's uh, admit this gentleman here. Did 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 did. For a long time, we all watched uh, this gentleman on the television. One of the early, one of the pioneers, let's say, of sort of personality sports. He would be in that uh, similar to the Fred, the great Frederick Patterson. Uh, Mark Hebsher was one of the first people to bring personality and humor. Let me finish. Just let me finish there, okay? For Mitzvah boy, one of the first people to bring personality and humor to uh, an otherwise bone dry recitation of scores and highlights from the night before along with some dude i can't remember taddy whatever his name was uh <laughs> mark was yes uh, guy yes guy <laughs> um anyway here's mark i'm sure you know fucking thanks for that intro howard like you know what i think is halfway through i ran out of steam mark i got i got tired halfway through okay who wrote the intro by the way did you write it like or did you just come up with it like sort of just now off just, yeah just yeah. off the top of my head because a lot of times there's that, you know, they'll say, just send us your, send us your bio, right? Send yeah. us your, you know, little intro bio. And I don't know about you, but like, I've, I've been at some events where somebody actually took like eight pages of a bio somewhere and said, Mark Hebsher was an he started his career in like, oh, jeez. <laughs> no, then when he was 15. You know, no, you know, it's funny. I, I've done some uh, corporate standup and some speaking. And sometimes, and it happened to me about a year ago, I did a thing at the Royal York, and somebody said, like, what do you want me to say as an introduction? And here's the thing I've learned. Don't say this. Oh, whatever. Say whatever you want, because it's the worst. So I've oh, started whatever. I've started actually writing it, mm-hmm. a two-line thing, because I want it to be correct. I don't want it to be what you just said, because I've done this a few right. times, and I say, oh, just say whatever you want. 
and then it's horrible and it sets you up in a in a bad way but what i just said about you just came right out of my bullshit meter well <laughs> just, let me tell you you were bang on that was incredibly accurate yeah yeah it was you were one of you and freddie p was 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 you were or was is exactly yeah, the operative word once you reach a certain age it was like oh, you used to be it used to be great like but, really great right like you had like what made and you and, what made you and fred uh entertaining is that idea of sports is entertainment you know, Freddie's sportscast used to make me laugh. It wasn't just like, oh, shit, now we have to pause. We have to stop the humble. And that was one of the things we should have said yesterday. I never felt when you did sports on the show that we had to stop the show for you to do some dry ass sports. You know, because I, I had worked. Right. I've worked with sports guys before that basically was like, I'm doing this funny show and then it grinds to a halt while you just fucking talk about a bunch of scores. I know. I used to remember Fred Locking. He died recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was great. Straight as an arrow, right? No, I know. But I used to listen to his sports cast, and as ah. thorough and good as they were of that CFRB, uh, CFRB style, I used to think, man, that must be boring to not Dry. be able to yeah. make <clears throat> comments and weird sounds and stuff. And, you know, who was the other guy at CFRB? Dave, somebody. I think you worked with him, Howard. Dave Quinn. Dave Quinn was a yeah, really he just passed away recently. great guy. A I know he was a man. funny, funny, funny guy, but he couldn't do that with his sportscast. Yeah. The odd little line he might deliver. Right, but, because yeah, yeah. His, because you're right, it was a separate mm-hmm. entity. Now it's time for sports. The DJ would go out for a smoke, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or whatever, because you're in know, five minutes mm-hmm. or whatever, and, you know, look after the carts, that kind of thing. So you're right, it was. And then I, I, I don't remember. I think maybe it might have been Rick Hodge. Who was the first to engage with the yes. DJ, for example, while the sports was going on? The DJ was actually a, a, a part of that. Would have been Roger Ashby at that time, right? So, yes. oh, hey, hey, Rick, I saw the Leafs did this. And, yeah. yeah, they did. And what about that? Which was totally different. Like, leave me alone. I've got five minutes here. This is my order of stories. Yep. And then CFNY and then Q and uh, well, Freddie, if you remember and, and, and Howard and listeners, the stuff that never made it to air when Freddie and I were really young working back at 1430 was the best stuff. Of course. You couldn't put it on the air. It was no, the greatest stuff. The you know, people that used to walk through that building. Right, because it's next door to Maple Leaf Gardens. Frank Orr, the late Frank Orr again. These like great writers and personalities would come walking in. I mean, the Blue Jays, Gillick and Beeston would come in the, for those early years. And remember that? Freddie, we'd be sitting there. Hey, Sam Ewing. Hey, how you doing? He'd have a t- he'd have a paper cup and he'd be chewing tobacco. Hey, nice to meet you. And he'd and have it in the studio with him, right? And then at the end of the day, he'd leave it, and you'd, someone would go, "What the hell is this?" And the things that were openly said oh off air. God. Now you could not even say off air amongst a group of people because no. somehow we get back to somebody who would have a problem with it. Mark, it's I'm funny not- It's funny you say that because for, for a long time in this podcast era of the Humble and Fred show, you know, we used to sort of promote it by saying all the things we used to say to one another between the songs is, is the show we're doing now. Well, remember we did that feature at ZFNY or <clears throat> The Edge called Humble and Fred Raw where we would tape what was going on uh, between songs. And or, then just beep out all the songs. F words. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's always that that particular content is what people want, that extra content, director's cut, whatever you right. want. Right. It. But it's the, con- it's the content that they're getting from us and real talk podcasts like the Mark Hebsher experience, Mark Hebsey on sports. So let's get right to it. There's a whole bunch of things that I sort of thought we should talk to you about, not the least of which you're wearing a Bills hat. So Monday last Freddie and I are watching the Bills game separately. I'm all excited. He reminds me it's a Bills game. I'm all excited. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden that happens with DeMar. Um, 
I'm sure you were watching. What was your reaction? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the night that uh, Connor Bedard scored in overtime for Canada to win in the quarterfinals. So I remember flipping back and forth and not seeing the incident in real time, but like clicking on like mm, seconds later. And it's a wide shot and everybody's on the field. And and of course, I'm on Twitter as well, because that's the type of maniac I am. So I knew something was up and it was it was wild. I It was hard for me to take it all in the carpet and then at the same time I, I felt guilty that i should do what's going on with team canada now we could be going and really that had no, i was sort of caught up in that but it was probably the most um cringeworthy television i had ever watched in my life live mm. and i don't mean because kennedy's just been shot and here's walter cronkite saying oh my god it's assassination i'm talking about mm. everything stopping 80,000 people, all the players on the field, the looks on their faces, and the fact that the announcers had to say something. Had to say something. You couldn't just stay on that shot. So the producers decided we've got to say something here. But what they said, what what came out was just awful. The most horrible stuff. I felt bad for all the announcers that they had to go through this. Yeah. But there was not a contingency Mm -hmm. plan by ESPN, ABC, Disney, whatever, to get out of that, let people know that they'll let them know as soon as something changes, as soon as status changes, whatever, and go to some other program. I know it sounds weird now, but after about five minutes of let's go back to Joe Buck, let's go back to the panel. Let's go. Oh, my God. That was just awful. well, we, we mentioned that I felt bad for the panel because they didn't know what to say. And then. We made a point of this, too. They kept leaning on thoughts and prayers, and we got to pray, and it was like, holy cow, we get it. But, but again, what else were they going to say? There was nowhere to go with this, because if you started talking about something else, it was disrespect for the moment. And to speak of the moment, they didn't have the information, so they were leaning on the prayer thing. Right. So, so, And rather than criticize, it's like, man, imagine yourself in that situation. It was a tough one. Right, but if you're the producer, what's your contingency yeah. plan? For example, Freddie, suppose the lights had gone out. What's your contingency plan? Yeah, yeah. but Mark, so let me let me suppose, get just, suppose Mark. there was a, suppose there was a medical emergency where mm. where it was a long time in the field. The guy he wasn't you know he didn't have his heart shocked back. So but let me just jump back in spine, because yeah. I wanted to ask you too because I watched it live. I watched it when it was happening, and it was so, you know it was just Seconding. well it was. At first, it didn't seem like a big deal. He got hit and he got back up. And then I didn't. No one saw until they did the replay of him slumping over. You two have been covering this game a long time. Can you remember? And I was thinking about other famous moments on the field where, you know, uh, Theismann breaks his leg, these type of things. Can you think of any other incident like that in a sport, hockey, football, where something so shocking happens and as you guys have said, they didn't really know what to do, right. Mark. Well, the one I can think of is Hank Gathers of uh, Loyola Marymount University. He was a great basketball player. He died on the court, on the court. He was a great player on the court, uh, which was incredible. And then, um, oh, man, that was uh, before that. Only once it had happened in football. It happened during a game, but it wasn't televised. And people don't remember it. A guy named Chuck Hughes of the Detroit Lions died on the field. But here's the thing with a lot of these. The other one, Bill Masterton. But he didn't die on the ice, but the injury that he caused, right. he died later. Um, and there was a baseball player named Carl Mays uh, who, who beamed Roy Chapman in 1920, hit him in the head with a ball, and Chapman died. Those are about it. But there have been enough times where 
the severity of the injury, you made you think, oh, my God, what if what is that guy's mother thinking? What you know, what's his family thinking in that in those other cases, though, except for Chapman, there were uh, they all had other medical issues Mm -hmm. that had not been diagnosed in advance. Chuck Hughes had 75 percent blockage in an artery, Um, you know. So we don't know someone's medical history, but we feel inclined to speculate as to what what's going on, which to me is the worst thing you could do. Right. Don't say we're not. We, mm. Don't say we don't want to speculate and then speculate. Just say we can't speculate. Go get a medical expert. Again, you should have had a contingency plan as a producer of ESPN Monday Night Football with the NFL. And remember, this is the, one of the few. Uh, it's the first season that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who left Fox for millions of dollars to go to ESPN to be part of this package, which is doing the Super Bowl this year. I think the NFL hung them out to dry. Oh, no, no. We never said they were going to. Well, and it, up. it's still an issue. I'm reading yesterday. You know, they're still arguing. The NFL is arguing with the players and the networks that they never said five minute warm up and we'll get back to it. They that's, said that's they're still arguing about. They that. said it. I mean, why would why would ESPN make that up? Yeah, I, well, I was watching yeah. again. I was watching mm-hmm. in real time, and that was said. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I, I can't remember if I called you or we were still messaging back and forth. Right, but because um, again, until they brought the ambulance. And I'm not as experienced as you two, but I've watched enough sports until he brought the ambulance. It didn't appear like almost like, OK, well, there's going to attend to him because before you found out that he had a cardiac episode and they were giving him CPR for nine minutes before that, you just assumed, OK, at some point the trainers are going to get him. Where So two things happened for me. When they brought the ambulance on and all the players then got into a prayer circle, but you could see that something more than just a broken leg or some. You're right. Something had happened up until that point. So, again, I'm not defending what they said, but it, it, it appeared at that point. Well, they had to say something. We're going to take a break here or we're going to. And then, yeah, go ahead. It was a timing thing. It was like we had seen similar incidents before. Mm-hmm. But the tipping point came when this is going on a little too long. And I don't like the reaction of the players right, right. now. So then all of a sudden you realize this is serious. And um then it, it moved into something that I hadn't seen before. Like, you see players upset, and you see the odd player crying, but when you, when you saw the look on their faces and how many of them were crying, and the, you could feel the urgency. It was like, yeah, we're in sort of uncharted territory. Yeah, unprecedented, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebsey, what did you think? Uh, and we, we Fred and I tried to do the... Uh, a few days after this, we were talking about, you know, what they were going to do with the bills and how the percentages were going to work. And we tried to do it on the air, but we failed miserably. But now that we know, so what, I mean, what else could they have done then? Because there was, they were never going to have a, uh, an opportunity to, to make that game up. It was too late in the season and things were going to get too fucked over in terms of the, the seating. As a Bills fan, are you uh, satisfied with what the, uh, the solution they came up with? Yeah, I think if you were to ask the players at the time that they saw their teammate DeMar Hamlin dying in front of them, said, look, you got a chance to go to the final. It might not be where it is. This game might not happen. I'm sure they would all say, yeah, we'd be happy that DeMar is alive and and maybe in the stadium while the game's being played and our inspiration from that particular point. So you go. it depends when you ask them the question, obviously. But, yeah, I would think that, uh, I mean, I think Bills fans are okay with it. I mean, I am. 
Well, they haven't decided where they're going to play the neutral site game if it happens. It should be in Indianapolis, which is halfway drive. It's about seven and a half hours from Buffalo and about the same, maybe a little longer from from Casey. So that's what the Fred that would be the best thing to do. It's a dome. So there's no weather issues. You got plenty of time if they make the decision. You're saying exactly what I said on uh, Monday. Indianapolis seems like the spot to go. I would Uh, go. Freddie, I would go to Indianapolis. Right. I mean, give me enough advance. I'll get a hotel nearby, whatever, an Airbnb. And I'm on. We're going. We're going. The Bills going to be in the AFC Kansas City and Bills fans. They both. They both travel well. Very but well. But you know, on some level, and yeah. this has been an incident over the past couple of days, or, or a talking point over the past. On some level, Kansas City is being penalized here. Sure, they are. So honestly, you got to admire the their, league. The league, though, you see the. I know, but they like, got you got to admire their graciousness through this because the Kansas City Chiefs are not complaining. Because of the circumstances, but they are being penalized on some level here. What, what, I don't understand. What, because they're not getting the home field advantage? No, because if you want to slice and dice it, they had the best record. I did. That's true. Percentage wise, right? Right. Because the but, bills. Because they. But the thing is, the league has to suffer yeah. for the incomplete uh, one incomplete game. The other right. thing is, look, if you're trying to if you're trying to squeeze that many weeks in, and Fred, tell me you remember this too, Howard. The first Super Bowl was like January the 15th. Mm-hmm. Now it's a month a month later. We should not be playing playoff games in the middle of January. Uh, I mean, this year's an exception. The weather is so goofy, but who knows what's going to happen. But really, we shouldn't be playing playoff football in the middle of January. I mean, the season used to end. The playoffs were always the Christmas weekend. Remember? Yeah. Non standard field goal. That was the Christmas mm-hmm. Boxing Day weekend. And now mm. like the Super Bowl is in a few weeks. It just there's just so much of it now that you they, they put this NFL put themselves in a position where a game was canceled okay and they couldn't mm. make it up whether it was going to be weather or got or this medical emergency whatever it is you don't have a contingency plan when that happens in week 17 or week yeah. 16 but why that the week between you know the conference championships and the Super Bowl why couldn't mm-hmm. they have used that week I, I don't disagree. It's a very valid point. I don't have an answer for you because I don't work for the guy. And, 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 you know, me being a casual fan, that's one of the first things I said to Freddie. I said, you know, uh-huh. they've got a two-week window there. Why not just bring it, you know, make it one week? And And part of it, I think, from what I've read, is that, you know, that's a lot of... There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of uh, television. There's a lot of whatever. Maybe they just couldn't do it. But um, I got a couple things before because we got to get. First of all, everyone just Friday morning. What do you got to get? What? what? We, we got. First of all, there's other guests on this program. No, yeah. I understand that. I know you're playing the role of traffic cop. I know. So, get but, but there's other there's other subjects me. I want to. First of all, every time I see you, I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, is it fair to say, on a personal note, this is the happiest I think I've seen you. Since I re-met you whenever you walked into this door years ago, uh, you and Liz uh, West doing your podcast. From what, from what I've gleaned of your life, only as a casual Twitter follower, is this version of Mark Hebsher uh, as happy as he seems online? Even more so. Good. One reason, Howard, I'm retired. You know, it's tough to admit sometimes, you know, when you don't go off to a regular job every day, you really are retired. You're freelancing. You're semi-retired. I'm, I, I'm retired. I'm 67 years old. I like it. This was something I was shooting for. I don't know. When Freddie and I first met in our early 20s doing radio, I was like, right. oh, I'll do this for 45 years or 50 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'll make enough money that I can retire and play golf. Mm-hmm. 
Like, don't well, you have the same aspirations? At some point, you're going to go, I don't want to have to go to work every day. I, I yeah, don't. Or, I, we don't. No, you I, can work and I, then play yeah, golf. I don't. I mean, I, I can. I, can, I don't speak for him, but, you know, the, I, I, I hope to still be doing this at 67. I know he's 67. Yeah. I, I mean, but I'm, I, you know, I feel pretty happy and I get to golf all I want. And, you know, I see that you and uh, your lady friend, uh, are going strong and she's a good golfer and, and you're getting to play golf with her when you guys travel. It's great. Well, but see, the thing is, we don't, I, I, don't, I want to just play golf every day because <laughs> yeah. right? I'm retired. So we can't do that in this climate. So we were at Pinehurst a few weeks ago and we go next year to Myrtle Beach. And I'm just telling you that I, I eventually want to go somewhere where I can play golf every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is the dream. Uh, no, my and, question. And try, and balancing two residences, Freddie, you know, I mean, mm. having two places and going, oh, you know, do we sell this? And I mean, I would really like to be able to play. Every, I'd like to have a place down there when it's winter time here and play golf and then come up come here in the summertime. Yeah. But when you say retire, retire from what? Like, I mean, you had a deep passion for what you did. So like, and you're doing, how often do you do your podcast? Once a week. But, but here's oh, the okay. thing, for example, Freddie, I used to have to do this. I'd have to watch the leaf game. Right. I'd oh, have okay. to, I'd have to watch. And if not watch it, I'd have to watch a good condensed highlight thing to be able to talk about it the next day, or I have no authority at all. Up until recently, that was painful. That was, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but now, but I don't have to now. I don't have to have right. to. I don't have to go, oh, my God, I didn't see the Leaf game. How am I going to comment on that? Right. And you know what? It's a very liberating feeling. Well, I imagine so it just, is. I just, watched, finished, I just finished watching The Crown. I'm very good at it now. Would not have had time to do that if I had to follow all this sports that's going on. Hey, so, okay. Speaking of golf, and I don't know how much you follow. You know, I follow it pretty deeply. Um, did you happen to catch the Morikawa meltdown on Sunday? Sure did, buddy. Made Fuck. me feel pretty good, actually. <laughs> it's so funny. You know what? It made me feel pretty it's good. Funny you said I watched. That. I watched him do things. And I said, "I do the exact same." thing. I was going to say that ch- when his I told tempo him. was off. Look at no, him. when he chunked his tempo. When he chunked that chip, I thought every amateur golfer's like, "Shit, I do that all the time." Mm-hmm. Like Everyone. that was a, it was a tough shot, but it, you know that's not what a professional normally does. But yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I said, "Man, I've first seen." First thing him. I said. First thing I said is, "How many strokes did Greg Norman <laughs> lead in the Masters in the final same. round against Nick Fowler?" Yeah. <laughs> six, six or seven, yeah. Seven, six, five, two, one. Oh, I know it's fucking awful. And it made you feel good, or you liked it because that happens to you all the time. Is uh, that the absolutely idea? exactly? That's exactly right. And let me tell you, every professional, every professional needs to see needs to suffer this because mm. that's part of the game. I saw. Remember Tiger Woods early on tried some wicked flop shot from near the green and completely whiffed it. Sure. And, and of course, the cameras are there, and everyone was like, "Oh my god." You know, but it's not unusual. Here's the thing about professional golf, and this is, uh, it's it's common. Roger, uh, what's his name? He just retired. Malby. Malby just retired. But one of the things he said, and I've always thought this was true, if you want to be a high-level player, whether a professional or an elite amateur, you've got to be comfortable with a certain amount of humiliation because it is going to happen to you. You know, again, I, I'm not saying I'm at, but at the level I play at, listen, I've been on the first tee of a national championship and hit so far behind the ball that, the, that I thought the turf went further than the golf ball. But watching him go through that was so relatable because whether you're a good player or not we've all done those things it's just that we don't do them in front of you know millions of people watching we do it in front of our stupid friends who by the way will never let us forget it um 
quick story here. Freddie, you'll remember this. I was working at Global. They had the Ontario Amateur Golf Championship at Thornhill Country Club. They're introdu- It's a media day. They're introducing members of the media. The cameras are all there. And they introduced me. I don't know, Global Television, Sportsline, Market. And I'd only been playing for a couple of years. And I don't know, there's 35, 40 people around there. <laughs> and there's cameras there. And I go to hit my drive. And I look up and hit it off the toe. And there's a CBC cameraman standing under <laughs> a, a tree well to the right of me, like mm-hmm. right, nowhere near where I was hitting it. The mm-hmm. ball hits the tree above his head about two feet, ricochets back behind me about 20 yards. And, and there's this silence, and I just look and go, boy, this is a tough court. <laughs> Place you know, breaks up. Is there, polite, is there polite applause at least? Yeah. You know, although Shock. I thought you were going to say you hit the CBC cameraman. I, was I just see. missed him, Freddie. I well, just he, Don Martin's cameraman. Just oh, missed him. I yeah. can see his face like, ah! He would have been fine, you know, with all their uh, benefits and everything. No, that CBC right, guy yeah. would have been fine. He probably could have retired. He would have been dead. But I used to hate those um, media <sighs> tournaments for that reason. That when you teed off, I just didn't. Now on the team, always, it's so self- Fred Patterson. It's so self-conscious. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people are watching me, and it's like. It's not what we do for a living. It's, no, I know. We don't do this. If but it gets go, back to what it gets back to what Howard has often said, you know, you're not that good to get that mad. And but for some reason, in those situations, they introduce you and you thought you were supposed to hit this beautiful shot when you weren't capable of hitting beautiful shots. So. So and anyway, you're, I've, asked you this, I've asked Mark before the your current uh, paramour. She plays nice, uh, plays a nice game. Do you guys are you guys close? Does she beat you the odd time? No. No. And, and, you know, here's why. And if she's listening, you know, I, I feel bad. I like I like practicing like I right. want to get better at the short game. Right. I, I so I'll I'll throw a bunch of balls in a bunker and I'll she, she doesn't practice because she hits the ball pretty well. Yeah, she does hit it good already. Right. So it's like, ah, you know, do I need to hit it like within six feet of the hole as opposed to 12 feet of the hole? It doesn't matter that much for her. She just enjoys the game. And a lot of times she just doesn't score. Okay. Oh, I mean, you know, I made a few pars there and whatever, and I think I right. took a date on that Dude. one. And that makes it way more fun. Howard, way more fun. Sure. It just does. It's like, what'd you shoot today? I, said, I think I might have been 84 or 86. I don't know, but I, I had a good round. Like, I think I was 12 over. And she, I said, yeah, I will never even ask her. She said, oh, that par I made there. Oh, I remember I hold out and blah, blah, blah. And at did the end bring, of the day, great day. Did golf bring you together? Is that how you met? We would have never you, met were it not for golf. Did you pursue a golfer or did you happen to meet at a golf course? Yeah. No, we we, we pursued. A, it was an online thing, right? And on, were you on golf afterwards. singles? Yeah, it was sort of like that. And I'm not sure. It might have been that or it might have been another dating site where it was like interests or golf. And I said, oh, that's nice. But you live in Markham and I live downtown and I don't have a car. And there's no way we'd be able to play golf together. And she said, oh, I'll, I'll pick. I'll drive. Nice. I'm like, great. If I haul my clubs on the subway and I meet you at the 407 <laughs> subway stop. Seriously. 407 subway stop mm-hmm. yeah easy that's easy for me and that's how we did it like i would haul my golf clubs and meet her at the subway or something like that and good for you well great yeah you know it makes a difference i've never actually uh, you know my uh, my last lady friend uh, gfr you know she i got her i tried to get her into golf uh but it's a tough thing to pick up later in life and obviously your lady friend has been doing it for a while so whether you sh- i mean it's not fair to ask if you beat her i just was curious how good she was but it has to she's, be so she's good enough she, to play she, she can where, play yeah wherever you guys play she's good enough 
That's what it comes down to. Originally, it was like, oh, I've only been playing for a few years. Now it's at the point where it doesn't really matter where you play. As long as, Howard, and this is important, as long as the front tees of the golf course you're playing allow her to – Sure. The, the carries aren't too difficult or, you know, too too demanding. Right. Because she doesn't hit it far, but she hits it straight. Nice. But, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, being, you meet all kinds of people at all levels of golfers. And one thing, if you're passionate about the game and you love to play and you can accept humiliation <laughs> that's right, with, with strangers, right, yeah. then, you're, then you're, you're good to go. I think that's what stops a lot of women from starting up. So, women tend to be a little more self-conscious. They do about appearance and stuff. And I right. think a lot of women, it's like, I'd like to try that. But if I get up there and I look silly, oh, I don't want to do that. And I can relate to that because I live with somebody that I sp- has been in that position before. What I find the most interesting is, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I like to practice. I'll go to the range, hit some shots, maybe try to shape some shots. Serena's like, let's just, I, I just want to play. What am I going to waste strokes? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do, like, I want to get out there and play. Just a couple quick and, things. Uh, sorry, Mark. Uh, Toronto Mike on Facebook is uh, just reminding everyone that Hebsey on Sports is every Friday at 9. You can watch and engage live on YouTube or subscribe to the podcast. And someone else just below that, Stephen, Stephen Novak says, Indianapolis has turned down a request from the NFL uh, to what? potentially host the AFC, AFC Championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, okay. due to an already packed convention calendar for the city, ah, officials say. So Chicago uh, would be another alternative. Um, similar, I think it might be a little closer to KC than Buffalo, but not that much. Uh, and uh, Columbus, Ohio, you could, hey, you could have it in the Ohio Stadium, the Columbus, the Buckeye Stadium, 103,000. Ah. I said if you're taking those um, uh, teams out of their stadiums, just put them in a dome to have take weather out of the picture, too. I, I think Chicago's a stretch, and St. Louis has a dome stadium, but that's too close to Kansas City. It will be uh, interesting to see what California. Have it in California yeah, sure. or Texas. Yeah. Right? Listen, man, mm-hmm. uh, there's the, uh, the very uh, fine broadcaster and friend of show, Mark Hebsher, and Listen, I was sincere when I say I like I see you online all the time, and you look happy. I'm happy for you, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. If I'm, I've been in the neighborhood a lot of times while you're still on the air. Can I still drop by and knock on the door? Or like- you can knock on the door, but I will not have. I will not let you in. COVID protocols are still in place. <laughs> Does that mean for Stan too? Or Stan no, no, you can come visit Stan anytime. He would. Uh, he'd be happy to see you again. As That's I all would. I wanted to know. Hebsey, uh, a couple days from now, you can check him out on uh, uh, nine o'clock. With our buddy uh, Toronto Mike. Thanks, pal. Thank you, guys. Okay, see you. See you, Mark. Mark Hebsher. You know, you guys were talking about a. Uh, we were talking about, you know, people dying on the field of sport. You know, there's a very famous story about uh, uh, Bob Einstein, uh, Super Bob, Super Dave, I should say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, his brother is uh, Albert Brooks. Their father, Harry Einstein was a very fine stand-up comedian back in the 30s, 40s, whatever, died on the dais at a friar's dinner somewhere in the 50s, I think. He was literally doing one of those roasts, got up there, killed, and then died. Yeah, man. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? And, of course, everyone thinks at the time, well, it's a fucking bit. He's doing a bit. Yeah, he's doing I'm dead bit. Locally, there's a story. I was about to say a great story. It's not a great story. And again, I think it was at the golf course you used to be part of, Al Palladini. Remember yes. all those com- all those commercials? Al Palladini is a f- whatever the commercials were. They were off on the radio all the time. He died, didn't he? Leaning over to pull the ball out of a hole or something. He, he did, but not not in Toronto. He was on a golf oh. vacation. 
And he did. He, oh, okay. he sank a putt and then okay. fell over dead. By the way, mm-hmm. I, I, this, this uh, comedian that died, I just want to come back to this, mm-hmm. was at the Friars Club, you'll love this, honoring two new members in 1958, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's, that's all happening. Um, we're just uh, a few seconds away from Dan Duran's news. I, I have my uh, fifth uh, booster scheduled for today. <laughs> and I, I'm in a weird situation where I'm thinking, like, uh, what if I get a booster and I have a bad reaction? I got to go away next week. But I've never had a bad reaction. Well, I was just going to say, you, you haven't had one so far, no, so I chances know, are I you know. won't. No. Um, You're getting yours, right? You're getting it a fifth, right? I, I am. I'm just not sure when because I had COVID in, uh, so I'd say, the end of October. October? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just, a new month. Yeah, they, just, uh, they, they just started it up. Mm-hmm. Fucking, how do you say October? <laughs> the fuck's wrong with me? Because uh, I was thinking November at the same time. So November, December, January. Same with me. I won't be eligible for it really until early February when I will hopefully be in Mexico. So do I get it in Mexico? Do I get the Mexican booster? I don't know. Mexico? Mexico. Probably. Why not? I don't know. In... Uh, what part of Mexico will you be in then? Uh, south of Cancun. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like Playa, south of Playa, between Playa and Tulum. There's all sorts of squeaky clean clinics and everything around there. I should talk to my doctor who I'm seeing, you know, today because, you know, why not? Uh, I should see if I can get the booster a week mm-hmm. before. Like, does it have to actually be 90 days since the last time you tested? Like, kind of like would one week make a difference? I could get it here. What do you say now? Oh, it's Saturday, the day I don't see a doctor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, okay, every other Saturday okay. I, do, I still go because he's in his office. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it's funny. I was talking to our friend Darren yesterday, and uh, Darren's, is, Darren's very much like me. He loves doctors. We had a long talk, he and I, and was like, you think we talk about medical issues on this show? I should have taped that conversation. That was fucking hilarious. Just back no, and forth. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It becomes a thing, eh? Yes. It becomes a thing. Well, especially when you've got as many things wrong with uh, you as I do. Um, Dan, I don't know what stories you have prepared for your newscast today, but I did want to... You're not doing the uh, Massachusetts murder guy, are you? No, Massachusetts murder is not on my list here. So can I just take a second here and, and just... This story. Please do. It's a very good story. <laughs> telling you about this story. Have you heard this thing, Freddie? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard it yet. So there's this dude. I want to get his name. Not that it matters. But he. Um, so New Year's Day, a woman goes missing in Massachusetts. And uh, just Dan, if you can briefly just look up his name while I'm telling the story. So. The wife goes missing, and for three or four days, the husband tells all these stories, and it's always the husband, and in this case it was, but he's telling all these stories that his wife went on a work trip, and there's no record of her getting in an Uber or a cab, and there's no digital footprint, she didn't buy a a plane ticket, and then, so three or four days later, the husband reports her missing, but in the meantime, they've got all this evidence, excuse me, of this guy going to Home Depot and buying a bunch of stuff and cleaning out his car. Yeah, but here's all, cl- it was all $400 worth of cleaning materials. Yeah, right. What's his name, Dan? Uh, Brian Walsh. So Brian Walsh 
is this guy. And uh, mm. so there's all these there's all this evidence that obviously yeah. points to him. But my favorite part of this, not that there's anything funny about death, but my favorite part of this I was telling Dan last night is the guy they go and immediately find his search history. And here's the two things he was searching. How does how to dismember a body? <laughs> uh, his other Google search was how to ki- how to get kill a 115 pound woman. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> like you don't know, talk about like not even trying to get away with it. How to dismember a body should not be in your Google search history if you're planning a murder. And now this is so different than, again, that guy, we haven't talked about him, but in, in Portland, he's this serial killer that stabbed those college kids mm. who was taking, who was, a, who was taking criminology, was saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a master's course. Well, this guy is the opposite of that. You know, really, I mean, none of us can plan for the future, but if you are going to plan a murder, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. don't Google it. How right. to dismember a human body. You know, in a weird way, these stories are good because it might actually help the crime rate. Think about it. So often now, you gotta—you never know when a camera's on you, right? Number one. And they got this guy on a camera at Home Depot. Yeah. And prob- probably have receipts and stuff because he's a no-mind. And even your searches and being able to track where you've been on your computer and everything, you'd think potential murderers eventually are going to catch on that if I do this murder and I do it this way, I'm going to get caught. Isn't that a deterrent? Absolutely. Not to mention, he was already had an ankle uh, monitor for a federal wire fraud charge. He's already being monitored. So he's literally somewhere there's a database. Somewhere there's a database of, of all his movements, <laughs> including dumping this body at the the dump site, at the uh, trash place, mm-hmm. whatever that's yeah. called. Well, it yeah, goes to show you just really can't go anywhere uh, without being tracked these days. That's right, Dan. And that's Especially why you don't yeah. do Gmail. <laughs> Dan's, Dan's trying yeah. to cover his tracks. That's right. That's right. That's right. He goes, I'm always deleting my history. That's right. He is. You know, he's, I, I can see Dan searching how to dismember a monkey sock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but guys, but guys, but guys, you know, all these, like I have one now too, a security mm. camera on my house. You know how many things are solved now from home security cameras that catch part of the street? Sure. You know, it used to be maybe one out of every 10 houses had one. So the chances of seeing the incident take place were slim. Now most people have them. What a convenience for the police. Anything that happens on a street, they just knock on the doors. And next thing you know, there it is on there it is on um, on film tape, whatever it is. Well, listen, my friend, digital, you know, okay, maybe I can't pronounce October, but I have seen some shows. There was a great series of Brit, one of those BBC uh, Brit box shows. I wish I could remember. It doesn't matter. But the whole thing was uh, how those CCTV cameras all around London and the the crime was solved because of those. They're they're everywhere. Forget home uh, cameras like ring doorbells and stuff like those uh, CC, those whatever they're called. Right. You know, last winter, Dahl and I get into a few of those British detective or British crime shows. And that's a prominent thing in all those shows. Yes. In fact, the first time I heard that reference, CCT, I thought, what, what are they talking about? And then I quickly caught on. Closed circuit television. That, that, that country mm-hmm. 
is so wired. Yeah, it's blanketed. Every move that everybody makes outdoors is on is is being captured. Big brother. That's right. And Dan, so just a good a word of advice. If you're planning yeah. to dismember myself or Stan, because mm-hmm. I you know, because I was bugging you about keeping all the cupboards in an open and jar uh, Right, yeah. Just don't Google how to how to dismember your roommate. Right. I guess you'd have to, you know, like uh, drop your. I, how would you even go about doing that without being discovered somehow? I mean, you go to a, a public place, I guess. You take your. You wouldn't take your phone with you, so right. they couldn't. The geo tracking on your phone wouldn't take off your federal ankle uh, monitor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it used to be a lot easier to kill and dismember people. It really did back in the old it days. It really was. Back yeah. in the old days. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to dismember Dan Duran. No, oh. just all day. That would be an all day affair. Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Two people. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the biggest central Anderman, his voice is Dan Duran. Dan Duran, the anchorman comes, as for credentials, he has none, can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. <laughs> what? Uh, what are you laughing at? I just love that he's got a big way. Okay, I just love that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's great. Yeah. Is that the first time you've heard that, by the way? <laughs> it's just, it's just us, you know, our subject matter, and then on the heels of it is sure. that. Yeah, it's good. You know, this is actually a good show. You should listen to it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> and now live from my kitchen upstairs, uh, next to the coffee uh, maker and the dishwasher. Uh, it's the Dandoran Studios on the squ- on the Queen's Way. Here's Dandoran. Onions are gold in the Philippines. Mm. Due to a series of super typhoons in the Philippines, onion crops have suffered, and now they are selling for more than chicken and even more than beef brisket on a per pound basis. The country now has the world's most expensive domestic onion prices. And as you would expect, onion crimes are up. There's now a black onion, an onion black market where uh, police have confiscated smugglers trying to smuggle onions in in pastry boxes and clothing shipments. Mm. Each of those was worth more than four hundred thousand dollars Canadian. Wow. All, all, all onion shipments. <laughs> all onion shipments. Let me, yeah. let me ask you guys, could you live without onions? Yeah, I could. It w- yeah, it would be difficult, but I could. Um, the other day, I'm in the grocery store, and Doll texts me. She says, pick up a red, just one of those red peppers. So I got a sizable one. It was nice. Just one she needed. I didn't know what for. A red pepper? Yeah, red pepper. It okay. was th- It was $3.40 for one. Come on. Now, I'm telling you, a red pepper, like... In recent history, wasn't that one of the cheapest vegetables you could pick up? Like, just a, a red or yellow pepper? They were everywhere. Like, my God. And, you know, I can live without those. And I said the other day, I can live without iceberg lettuce, which has just gone crazy. Yeah, I never have proof. it. No, yeah. Uh, by the way, breaking news here. I just looked down on my phone. This is from uh, Edmonton Steve. This came in about an hour ago. Uh, Stephen, uh, you know that, that the U.S. had uh, paused all departing flights until just now. 
for the last couple hours, the uh, Federal Aviation Administration grounded all flights. It's never, it's well, outside of 9-11, I guess. There was some kind of uh, issue. Uh, yeah, so they had, for a while there, this was as of a couple hours ago, they paused all departing flights. Uh, airline sources, so let's say they're hearing the information. There was no TAM, started to flow. The outage, some kind of uh, system-wide outage. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Uh, And uh, Edmonton Steve just uh, texted me and said they've just resumed departures now. Well, wouldn't that affect Canada, too? Because any flight going into the U.S., yeah. All all of it. Maybe flyovers, yeah. Well, and, and, and from twos, Dan, you know, <laughs> from, from the U.S. to Toronto, those, those flights, were de- they were delayed. They were, I mean, they were uh, grounded. Yeah. The world, what's going on in the world? A system that provides pilots with notices they need before flights is experiencing an outage. How? I've never heard of this before. It's never oh, been yeah. heard before, Fred. This is why it's breaking news. And here's what scares me about that. Um... Who was it? There's, uh, oh, the LCBO yesterday had to shut down their whole um, online thing because of a cybersecurity incident. You know, these are happening more and more. Even Sick Kids Hospital, you know, the whole, you know, the whole ransom thing where they shut down your thing and want money to turn it back. Like, if these, if these evildoers can Mm. tap into... You know, the airline system, that's scary shit, man. Sure. Well, this was, you know, uh, I, I'm, okay, I'm just reading now, the system, yeah. uh, and I, I know, I've heard of this, they're called NOTAMs, and it's uh, an old uh, World War uh, II uh, acronym, means notice to airmen. And what NOTAMs are, is like before you fly someplace, there's these notices that go out on to from other pilots on that route, mm-hmm. and that system is shared. You know, so if you're flying from Chicago to Toronto, excuse me, there'll be a NOTAM that over this certain area, there's some turbulence, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, that system went down. And so without that system, uh, which is real-time information, it's as-it-happens information, they shut down all flights until, I guess, just now. So that system is back up and running. And again, my mind runs wild, but an evildoer, you know, what they can do is maybe through cyber shut that system down and then let the airlines know, see what we can do? We can do this. Mm, we can maybe. do more. <laughs> uh, hmm. Cyber. Um, okay, Dan Duran, uh, now back to the right. Sorry to uh, interrupt oh, your yeah, news, no, breaking sorry. news. Dan Duran, Dan Duran. Yeah, now, yeah. Dan Duran, back yeah. to the uh, nonsense of Dan Duran's giant wang and the sock monkey. Well, you know, just a follow up to our billionaire's rocket hobby uh, from Monday. Uh, we we're talking about uh, the uh, the Virgin uh, Virgin Orbit is the name of the company that was launching the uh, the rocket. Uh, off a jet or you know a jet they fly the jet up and then yeah, so cool. that rocket uh it didn't work out well it was an happened? anomaly and uh the uh the rocket uh, took off from the jet and then reached uh 11,000 kilometers per hour and then uh some anomaly happened and then it fell apart and the satellites burned up in, on re-entry which also spurred a uh a drop in the virgin orbit stock fourteen percent. Oh. So they got to build up a reputation. They got to get that uh, the ne- the next rockets got to fly, got to fly. Can imagine Richard Branson there uh, yelling at somebody about the whole thing, <laughs> as billionaires do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess we should also mention, because there's always critics out there, about, uh, you know, the classified documents that were found in uh, Joe Biden's office in a file and half a dozen of them or whatever, because, you know, critics might say, oh, you guys are out over Trump when that happens. How come you haven't mentioned Biden? Right. Um, We're aware of it, and it's wrong, and, you know, we could launch into a whole explanation of how it's different and to compare the two almost isn't fair but it doesn't matter it's all optics at this point it was a great day for donald trump when those documents uh, were found and even though what he did is a lot worse including obstruction of justice is a lot worse than uh you know uh, what has fallen into uh, biden's lap it doesn't matter it's all optics now and it's a talking point it's an arguing point for the other side and just another indication the united states is screwed it really is yeah i mean there's a mm-hmm. clip i could play you uh where biden explains it but no matter whether it was innocent or not it doesn't look good mm-hmm. and uh old joe there and 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 it's just more fodder for the nonsense that you know, we've all, you know, seen take place. And, you know, right down to the base, it's like if they were to charge Donald Trump with what he did and not Biden, even though that may must be uh, ju- that could be justified by the rule of the law, the whole right, the right side of politics would be going, you know, um, the, double the standard. About, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two sets of rules. Um, and even though he's probably not eligible to be prosecuted because he wasn't and, and he gave the right. documents back right away and it was all mm-hmm. it was all right. really on the up and up. But it doesn't matter you know, because optics you've weaponized the DOJ yeah, yeah, yeah. against one man, not another. So, as I said, a great day for the orange asshole. And I, don't, and I really don't want to get into the fact that they, the first moment in Congress yesterday, they were like defunding the FBI or the IRS and they, they, they can't do that. All they can do is they will never get passed. And it doesn't, you know, and, and it's again, I know, it's, let's just finish a pleasant program. <laughs> Um, I don't want to get into it. Uh, and because yeah. uh, we've got a guest coming up in a little bit, we're going to uh, get yes. to, uh, pardon me? Yes. We have uh, Daryl Croft, who was uh, supposed to be with us yesterday. We Somehow mm-hmm. we got all mixed up. So uh, we talked about uh, uh, onions and, uh, and now planes and uh, Dan Duran. And uh, yeah, very nice. Um, there was a big, I said to Freddie Dan that there was a big storm predicted here the next couple of days do you as a former weatherman are you aware of uh any kind of system i didn't look that closely at the weather Uh, i just was the last thing i did was well this morning i I, uh i looked to see when we're going to see the sun in toronto next and that's like saturday yeah there's i said to freddie yesterday the sun has not come out in 2023 day 11 of the year <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in Peterborough, apparently this morning it was a couple hours. I was I was texting Lisa. She uh, said it was sunshiny here, so because I sent her a little sunshine, say here's some sunshine. Oh, you, you did. You told Saturday. Oh, that's so oh. sweet. That's, oh, it's yeah. an indication of an early relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What is your uh, pet name for Lisa? Do you call her like Monkey Sock or do you have, like, a <laughs> no? I don't. Uh, bum Bum uh, or whatever. No. What do you call? What does she call you? She probably has some great nicknames for you. Oh, Dad, I, right? I can imagine Redwood. Oh, yeah. 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 You know. uh-huh. Hammer man, Thor, uh-huh. Thor's hammer. Uh-huh. Stretch. Do you? She, she doesn't have a. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, hey, Thor's hammer. What does uh, she call you? 
<laughs> Hammer of the gods. She's, she's got all kinds of terms of endearment for what, me. And what the same ones as every... Well, like what? a darling, darling, honey, uh, beautiful, you. whatever whatever it is. That, but it's for everyone. It's for cats. It's for, uh-huh. you know... Any, so it's. I don't feel that special with those terms of endearment. I found out in the last couple of weeks because I responded at the same time she was talking to her cat. Oh, that's funny. And, I was, and then I started to realize that, you know, that more and more people are in her... Uh, in her uh, world that she calls all these she's got a standard, and do you have any you know, do you, of, does your germanic background allow you to have a term of affection or are you not allowed just the fatherland says <laughs> yeah it's in the rule book in the rule book no, from the no fatherland terms of endearment, no yeah. terms of endearment no yeah. you're too soft <laughs> how dare you you might you must say buddy um all right well uh here's another little uh, tidbit from uh, my research this morning rolls royce you ever heard of them yeah their sales engines yes not just makers of jet engines but of fine automobiles in a few minutes we're going to talk about electric vehicles which will be interesting but rolls royce sales are up Last year in the States, they sold over 6,000 of these cars. 6,000 still. You know, we talked earlier about all the millionaires and billionaires in all these cities, but if you had to guess, and don't look it up, Dan, if you had to guess what you would have to pay for a Rolls Royce in 2023, what would your guess be? I would get like around 600,000 or something like that. Freddie P. What model? <laughs> the Phantom, the 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 yeah, the Rolls Royce. Fuck yourself, model. Okay, I, uh, you know what? I, uh, I I don't even know where to begin. I'll say half a million. I don't. If Dan said six, he he might know. I'll say five. Interesting because I would not have even hazarded to guess, as the phrase goes, five hundred thirty-four thousand dollars. Dan Duran, you are over the limit. No, but uh, oh, uh, five hundred and thirty. Wow, five hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars for a. I, I don't know. And there's and they sold six thousand of them. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Crazy. I'll tell you what. Too, you won't be paying that kind of money for is a uh, mm-hmm. is an EV from uh, EV Net, and uh, Daryl's uh, popping in right now. Um, quickly, I watched with my wife last night the Golden Globe Awards, and it was very interesting because so many people that <laughs> all the presenters and all the awards, I don't like know any of them. Sure. At all. You know, you sort of lose touch. And, and again, there's so many services and so many shows now. It used to be a lot easier to follow. However, um, Kevin Costner wins yes, for Yellowstone. Uh, yeah. Actor in a dramatic series. And one other thing that got my attention, Howard, actor, comedy or musical, Jeremy Allen White from The Bear. Yeah, I saw that. I, mean, I didn't see this, the awards, but I saw it this morning that he... Uh he won yeah and it was nice to see him pop up there because we really enjoyed that show and of course you know you know the way you are oh yes i'm so glad he won he deserved it even though you haven't seen anything else (laughs) that's right it's the one thing you can identify with so well uh you know what maybe we'll pick up our golden globes reports uh you know a little bit later in the program uh but first I don't know what happened to you yesterday, but uh, I'm glad to see you today. Daryl Croft from EVNet. How you doing, brother? 
I'm great. I'm great. Loving 2023 so far. No snow. It's all good. Down yeah, no snow. Anyway. We were just talking about there's no snow, but there hasn't been sun in this oh, entire yeah. year. It's ridiculous. I'm um, jealous that you guys get to go get some, and we're all stuck here turning more white. Yeah, but dude, we're old men. We can't. We're very old. We can't be hanging out here. Uh, we put in our time. I don't know if you heard. I was telling Freddie and Dan that uh, Rolls Royce sold six thousand units last year. Those cars are five hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. Do that math, huh? Yeah. Well, lot. you know, Howard, that's a great thing. One thing to talk about that EV experience. It, the big thing is separating want from need. Yes. You know, mm. I don't know how people need a half a million dollar car, but they want it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. At what point do you entertain the thought of buying a half million dollar car? You yeah. know what I mean? Like sort of prorate to that to the average person. What, like, like it's how much money would you have to have? Yeah, and I gotta exactly say it. that's one of the biggest things that we run into. People struggle with that. What mm-hmm. they want versus what they need. And Howard, you've seen that yourself. You know, you, you've driven cars that are way more than what practically you need for your use. Sure. But they go a little faster or they you know, they go longer. And of course you pay more for that. And it's and that's what we help people struggle with. And there's no clear answer there. One thing I learned a long time ago. You can't help people figure out what ultimately are they going to choose what they need or what they want and they're going to spend accordingly, right? It's as long as they know the the choice, then they got to decide for themselves. And that's where we'll pick up the thread of uh, there's been some. I, I by the way, I love the fact that Maeve and everyone there is starting to give us some uh, more information to talk about as opposed to me trying to make it up because you know I I've loved the EV experience, especially working with EVNet.ca and everyone with your on your team, Daryl. But let's just talk a little bit today, and I'm looking at Maeve's notes about what's different about the experience at your place versus say a traditional you know, model of buying or renting a car? Well, well, traditionally the, in the sales world, people think you're coming, you have a general idea of what you want and they're trying to convince you that their brand is what you want versus another brand, but you know what you want. The, The reality is in the EV world, people don't know really what they want and they don't even know if they want ev out of the gate there's just so much more of a education that goes on about what it's all about there's that 50 or 100 questions you should ask before you even think about a make and model and and that's really the the step that most people aren't prepared for you have the education groups that are trying to educate and then you have people just who make the car that have a model Like, you know, to sell you one model, guess what they're going to sell you? If you walk in, they're going to sell you the model they got. So we, we, we're unbiased. We have such a variety of, of makes and models. And I, and then you let people learn for themselves and their discovery. And at the end of the day, whether you spend 30 grand or 80 grand, you know, really you, you have to take that and talk about it with your significant other. So that's really the difference. We're not pushing one or the other. We just give you the facts and let you decide ultimately what you want to do. And that's why your concept of being able to try them out is great. Uh, yesterday, I drove down to the studio there at Islington in Queensway. I hopped in the Tesla with Howard, and we drove downtown. And what an eye opener for me! Now, I had driven one before, but out in Brampton, but in the city, just being aware of all those cars around you and the warning sounds he got and everything in a downtown situation. 
is invaluable. Like, I mean, it, you almost feel like untouchable, so to speak. <laughs> well, they are. They're so safe, too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, heaven forbid you get into an accident. That's all airbags and structure around you. Mm. you, you I hate to say it, you're a little more confident when you're cutting somebody off or doing that. You know that, hey, I'm a little better off. And the navigation on that, the screen is so big, it, it takes you yeah. where you want to go, right? But it, all those little, do, 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 and it's like, oh, there's a car close to That's us. Right. It's like it, to to have a fender bender would be difficult. <laughs> well, you know, it's all it, unless somebody rams into you. You but. know, in aviation, they have this phrase mm. situational awareness. And what that car gives you is way more situational awareness than you would get right. even in a regular, you know, model. But what I want to talk to, to, to about Daryl is the experience. And I and I. And um, I can't remember her name, but I, I, I can see the uh, PR woman's uh, footprints all over this. Because what we, if you go to evnet.ca, God, I wish I could remember her name. She's great. But there's... Anise. Pardon me? Anise. Anise. Uh, am, yeah. am I right that she constructed some of this? Because it's, it's, yeah. it reads just like her. It's, there's all these experiences you can choose. You can choose the experience from the EcoBox, the Pack Rat, or the Sampler. And what we're talking about is, you know, you can drive a car for 24 hours or three days or seven days. And, and unlike traditional models, you get to feel what it's like to have a Kona, a Tesla, a Leaf, whatever you want to, whatever is available, whatever is the needs you have. And again, unlike the traditional model, you get to sort of live in the car for a while, even if it's just for a day. And it's economical. And uh, But let's talk a little bit about that and, and why that's so much better. Well, one thing we learned early on is that when people come in, a vast majority pick a different car at the end than what they thought when they came in. And and you're living with that decision for some period of time, not just you, but your significant other. And you got to have that ability to make the best choice you can for you. How else can you do it? Like some people think, oh, I'll go and rent a car. But guess what? A typical rental, they don't have the comparison. They obviously don't know a lot even about the technical specs of the car. You've seen in the Tesla how it's days of features you could learn about what it'll do for you. Some people like it. Some people may not care, but at least you know you go in and then if you hop into a different car it doesn't have some of those features some people don't care okay if it's 20 grand less i'll live without it other people say wow no that's a big deal for me like even lane assist stuff like that well you know some people it's it's a big deal so that time it really comes down to time with the vehicle and then anybody driving that car you know most times in the past you went to a dealer guess what your girlfriend or wife or kid don't aren't going to tag with you a lot of times but if they're driving that car half the time you're either going to regret your decision if they don't like it or or, uh, you know so that's the way to overcome that you know daryl i said that to uh, howard yesterday i drove the tesla and what was the other one i drove a kona Kona, Kona, yes and i said you know as somebody who's drove an suv most of my driving years um, I prefer to be higher, yeah. you know, so somebody yeah. may look at the luxury and the prestige and the image of the Tesla, but somebody like me, it's like, ah, I don't know, I, I, I'd rather be higher. So that's, you know, that's an example of, you know, what your personal need or want would be. Um, so we have one guy right now who's done all mm-hmm. of this. He's a mm-hmm. big guy, an older guy. His muscles are aching, his bones are, mm-hmm. he freely admits it. But he's debating between the Model Y Tesla or the Model 3. He's already got to the point, Tesla's it for him. His wife loves all the features. Mm-hmm. It's a done deal. He would have bought a Chevy Bolt if it was up to him. But his wife loves the, the features of mm-hmm. Tesla too much. He's in Tesla world. Now do you spend, you know, 
55 grand or 80 grand. Mm -hmm. And that's where he's at. And he took it away and he's going back to the 55. Now, when Mm -hmm. I saw him last, he was at the 80. (laughs) Some time to digest it. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of numbers, here's a number to call 1-800-387-9391. Visit electric and just visit electric experiences. It's EV net. I want to make sure I get, there's a whole bunch of information here. So it's evnet.ca. Then you go and check out the experience. And for a limited time, uh, the first 10 people, uh, to contact the, the fine folks at EVNet, get $20 off the experience because there's different ones you can choose the Eco, the Pack Rat, or the Sampler. All the uh, details are there, but we'll give you $20 off to uh, take it out, test drive it, have it, hang out with it for a while. 1 800 387 9391. If I don't talk to her, tell Maeve I'll be there on Friday. Because I'm okay. like I'm not giving that car up easily, my friend. Um, but I, I just have <laughs> some I just have some stuff to do in the next couple of days. So I'll, I'll you know what I'll call her too. No problem. <laughs> I'm not sure white leather is the best for him. Yeah, not for me. No, <laughs> when he's no, no. eating burritos and stuff when he's driving. <laughs> the, the problem with the car I have now is I love the color, but the interior is pristine. This wild white interior, and yeah. I can't bring Stan in there. I don't care how many covers yeah. you give me. You yeah. might want to get it back before <laughs> no, that's exactly. Uh huh. Especially, you know, especially given what's going on with my stomach lately. Well, this is it. Thank you. Enough with that. Daryl Croft, everyone, from evnet.ca. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. See you later. Yeah, man, I don't know who that interior would be for. Like, you got to be. And by the way, you, you, you might be impressed. Like, I've taken it and having it. I've had the outside, you know, washed at a, a car wash. But I cleaned right. the inside myself. I vacuumed. Okay. I took those. Uh, sure. I took the uh, things out, the mats out, washed it, vacuumed it. Just because I'm, because I'm so nervous that it's so pristine. Yeah. It's too much for doll, me. Doll could have white leather as long as I never got in the car. But I couldn't. It wouldn't work for me. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't drink coffee in there now. I don't. Mm. Like you said, I used to. In the Acura, I'd have full fucking meals in there. I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just stuff spraying everywhere. I'd let Stan drive it. Let me tell you about the Chambers plan. Uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca today. Get a free quote. If you have a small business and you have, you know, a group of people that you really admire do a great job for you and you think I will reward them with a benefits package, this is the way to go. And again, please know they've done a great job in holding the line on premiums traditionally. So it's not something you're going to get into and then find out the premiums have shot up. They've done a great job. They keep in mind that small small business uh, can't often uh, absorb this. So again, just another aspect that's great. It's you know it's dental, it's prescriptions, it's travel, all sorts of therapies depending on the level that you buy in at. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. We were talking to our buddy Tim Daniels yesterday about uh, Aaron Ventures. Go to AaronVentures.com. They're an emerging international junior mining and exploration company. We learned all about the fascinating world of boron. I don't want to bore you about it. Blah, 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 blah. But uh, not only in the world of uh, electric vehicles, but also boron in almost everything that you use. And, you know, one of the things he reminded us of, you know, your smartphone screen is uh, made with the... Uh, 
the magic that is Boron. If you're looking for uh, an investment, well, we can't tell you what to do, but have your people go check this out. Their Air Adventure strategy is uncovering and capitalizing on unique development opportunities within Canada and various regions internationally. There's only about five jurisdictions in the world where you can make a uh, living, or uh, how do you put it, where you, where you can mine uh, mm-hmm. Boron at a... Uh, a commercial level and uh, Aaron Ventures is involved in one of them. Go check it out. AaronVentures.com. So don't be a moron. Invest in boron is what we're saying. <laughs> okay. Well, I knew given enough time, you would come up with something. Well, that one's just hanging. That's oh, is it? It's fruit. Oh, That's low hanging low hang. fruit right well, there. Like your balls. <laughs> <laughs> I know I measure them every day. It's about like a sixteenth of an inch every day. They close. They get closer to the to the ground. A sixteenth of an inch by twenty five. Like the dragon. Huh? Oh, so, sorry, I fucked you up. I said a sixteenth of an inch. That's like your your dink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, but I, I figure by August 2025, I'll be dragging. That's right. You'll be like, uh, John, get my nuts. Let's go. Johnny, <laughs> get, get Grandpa's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. That's all. Tomorrow on the show, we'll read your emails. There's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Including one from our friend Darren that pretty much sums up uh, a lot of what we've been talking about. Lately. It's very funny. <laughs> it's a good one. It's oh a good yeah, one. I showed it yeah. to Dan last night. We both chortled. Mm-hmm. We both lolled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's quite a bit actually. What else? By the way, this is a story for tomorrow. That okay? I'll save it because there's a story about a Dutch grocery chain that has introduced a a new way to check out your groceries specifically for old people so we're all going to want to find out what that is see okay. there's some grocery stores downtown toronto where you don't even check out as soon as you grab it off the shelf or something and then walk out it yeah. it, 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 it there's a detection or something well they, 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 there's Crazy. one at the at good sobeys now great sobeys at park lawn there and uh, the queensway what they have is you, you can't just it doesn't it the scanner's on the cart so what happens is oh. you've got a it, it looks like a little bit of an ipad that's attached mm-hmm. to the cart and they've got about i don't know not quite half of their their carts are equipped with this so you scan it yourself and then you just you just swipe your credit card on your way out, and that's it. So as you do the grocery shopping, it it reads what you've got in your uh, and you, it's right it sits there right there like uh, where the where the kids you know, sit. You know what happened to me the other day? I was at Walmart over here, and um, I was picking up some some groceries in the Walmart area because I happen to be in the area in the grocery area. And it was yeah, and it was one of those things where I I didn't think I needed a basket, but. All of a sudden, I did. I grabbed this, grabbed that, and then, oh, I'll grab this. And then I had some bananas. Mm. So I was sort of, like, jostling with this stuff. And I went into the self-checkout. And because I had too much in my hand, I grabbed the bananas and I put them on the wrong side. So then I started checking out. And this woman's all over me. Sir, those bananas have not been checked out. They're on the wrong side. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, like, I... I, I didn't mean like I'm not trying to to steal the sixty nine cent bananas, but I thought that's the first time I've ever had like a uh, like a security check on me. So I like I guess that's why the person stands there. They're keeping an eye on you just to make sure that you don't put. But th- th- it's done by weight anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. 
the sensors. Not everyone, but yeah, most of them are now that way. I don't think Home Home Depot or something does that, but the uh, I think Costco does. Oh, Costco, I was, the magic I was, of Costco. I was yeah. a little bit offended. It was like mm. I'm just like I'm just putting the stuff down. The bananas I just put on that side instead of this side. <laughs> but she's you, all over me. Were you offended, or were you like, oh, you know, if this thing hadn't gone on, I would have stolen those bananas. Yeah, and then I'm thinking if I if I had gotten away with that, I thought why why couldn't that have been an expensive item, not bananas? But bananas are probably the cheapest thing in the store. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, thanks to uh, Mark Hebsher and uh, Daryl Croft there from EVNet. Dan Duran will uh, leave it all up to you now, sir. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, EV Ventures, EVNet.ca. And GoDaddy. I think I said EVNet. Anyway, so Air Adventures and EVNet.ca. Do you need a little more time? (laughs) (laughs) It's only our sponsors. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start again? I think we should start again. You know, because let's let's make this the best part of the show. Here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca. And GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain easily, create your website, and start selling online. GoDaddy has all the tools and support you need for your small business. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. We read all of our emails, and it's email day tomorrow. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing and giving us five stars helps us keep on going. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, if you need to dismember a monkey sock, figure it out without searching the internet for dismembering a monkey sock. Enjoy every goddamn day. Jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?